This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, beloveds of God. I'm so happy to be with you today. I am confident that today's podcast is going to ignite your first love. You're listening today with your brothers and sisters across the world. You didn't know this, but we've got listeners in over 150 countries. Isn't that cool? To know that you are joining with the body of Christ, pursuing Jesus all over the place. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to have as my guest today, someone who has been teaching me about the splendor and sweetness of Jesus for a long time, Eric Gilmore. Welcome, Eric. It's my honor. <laughs> Let me tell them a little bit about you um, if they don't know you already. Eric is an author, a musician, a speaker who travels all around the world. He and his wife, Brooke, are the founders of Sunship International. We'll put that link in the bio because you're going to want to look that up. It's a teaching ministry committed to strengthening the church. Their hearts are to bring the church into a deeper experience of God's presence in their daily lives. Eric is a wholehearted lover of God, devoted to helping the bride behold the king, ushering them into his presence to worship him, to be transformed into the image of the one and only worthy one. He has over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. His music and teachings have aided millions of people, including me, to rest in the presence of God. Eric and Brooke have two daughters, Madison and Leah. They live in Florida. And this bio, you can tell me if it's old or not, says you have two golden retrievers. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So do we. I love golden retrievers. So welcome again. Yes, it's my honor again to be on with you. Eric, I just kind of want to dive in. And so I would love to hear more about your story with Jesus. It might be a story that when you first met him, or it could be later in your walk with Jesus, but can you tell us about when you fell in love with him? Hmm. I would have to point to the gospel. Ah, The gospel itself is the means by which I saw God, his nature, his character in Christ. And that won my heart. Seeing him as a man, having dropped out of heaven by the weight of love to put on the restrictions and frailties of a human body, to live a life I could not live, to die a death that I deserve, raising to life and raising me into a brand new kind of life, and then going up into glory to be seated at the right hand of God above all things and taking me with him there. Mm. Mm. And then sending his own spirit into my heart, that gospel, and he's returning for me. You put all these things together and they win the heart. (laughs) They show you what God is like. They show you his kindness, his compassion. He, He, Jesus is the manifestation of what God told Moses he was. Moses wants to know God. God says to him, 
I am the Lord, God, gracious and compassionate. This, to me, these two words, he says more, but these two I see personified, manifested in Jesus Christ. And it is that compassion, you know, compassion can be defined as um, drawn to weakness. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, drawn to our weakness. Uh, graciousness means he's for me mm. apart from me. So he's not for me because of anything he found in me. He's for me apart from me. It's just because he is good. So these, these kinds of characteristics, these what you would like to call them uh, charms, <laughs> charms in his every feature, they win the heart. And so in the very beginning, when the gospel was preached, I bowed my knee gladly to this man who is also God. And that's when everything, the current of love began. The gospel struck the fountain of my heart and the streams of love began to flow. And over time, they just gotten thicker and thicker because my understanding of the gospel has gotten richer and richer. <laughs> Yay. That is so good. I heard you once say that Jesus leaving glory and becoming a man was the most romantic thing anyone has ever done. Just talk about that a little more because that's a new language. Yes. Well, it comes from Paul unveiling a mystery to us in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her. We know that giving himself up for her is he gave up glory, became a human, and then gave up his human life. Mm. Not just giving up his human life, but giving up his human life in the way of dishonor and disgrace, dying nakedly nailed to a piece of wood publicly. He just, he gave up his life, yes, but he also tasted death and the giving up of his life. Mm. And you, you see that kind of love Paul points at. This is the kind of love a husband has for his wife. The two are, are one. And that passage in Ephesians 5 that shows us God's love as a husband for his wife bride, you can now grab that understanding and apply it to Song of Solomon because that is a bride and a husband, <laughs> a husband and a bride, a romantic king and a starry-eyed bride, as I like to say. And now you see this language in uh, Song of Solomon, where these two people seem to think the entire world is a platform for the display of their love. All they're doing is loving one another, taking with one another. Oh, let me hide in the rock with you. Let, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Your, your, your face is sweet. Your form is lovely. I want to uh, let me kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Oh, that's better than what you see this language of romance between this man and this woman. And it's a uh, they're captivated with one another. And because Paul unveiled this for us in Ephesians 5, we can see that Jesus giving his life was the voicing of love and romance. Romantical, as my, my wife likes to say, romantical. <laughs> Jesus is romance itself because he doesn't just buy a rose and lay down rose petals. He gives the rose petals of his own blood to 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 win the heart of his bride not, not just to do something that is kind it's so much more than that it is 
I've given everything just to have you. Uh, there's an old song by Third Day. I've heard it said that a man would climb a mountain. Yes, yes. To be with the one he loves. Yes. Uh, but all, you know, all of those dreams, they're, in, they're an empty notion. They've never been done. I've never climbed the highest mountain, but I walk the hill of Calvary just to be with you. So this, uh, it is definitely God so loved the world. It is a love exchange. This whole gospel is a romance. And Jesus <laughs> is the king of romance. By doing <laughs> yes. I love, we love to call him the ageless romancer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> ageless romancer. Yes. Um, some people who are listening right now haven't tasted this yet. Hmm. Don't know him and his love yet in this way but yearn to, long to. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Eric, if you could speak to them, just how to align their hearts. What, do you have any words of encouragement for them of how to, how to learn and gaze on Jesus in this way that would reveal him to them? What a beautiful question. I, I want to grab a word that you said, tasted. That's the key. You can memorize all the recipes in the world, but you can't really tell me anything until you put it in your mouth. And yes. We can, we can read the Bible. We can know religion, but until you taste it, it's not a reality. Remember the scripture says, Psalm 34, taste and see? Yes. There's a sight, a, a way of seeing light. There's a paradigm that ha opens by experience, that taste. And so I love that you said that. And I would encourage people um, uh, who haven't yet tasted, you know, had their eyes opened to the beauty and majesty of Jesus by taste. I would encourage them in three ways. One, if this is what you desire, put everything else away. Mm. That's very important. Mm. Most people want to hold on to things they want from God. That's why they never access God. Instead of just putting everything else away and saying, Lord, it is only you that I want. So put everything else away and focus your, your life upon him by, number two, this is number two, taking time to get away from everything. Pull away from people, noise, your phone, go into an empty room, silent room. And then thirdly, just begin to let the word of God show you who he is through turning your heart up to him while you read the scriptures, turning your heart up to him in worship. Let everything be bathed in worship. I said this morning, I was praying. I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, by grace, help me apply my mind to you. Mm. By grace, help mm. me to lift my heart to you. By grace, help me to bow my will to you. And I feel like these three things are very important. You have to choose to put everything else away. Then you have to withdraw so that you can give him all your attention and you give him attention through worship and the word. Uh, I, would, I would say that if somebody does that, they are seeking the yes, Lord. Yes. And in seeking the Lord, you will find him. Yes. He will make sure you find him. He, there is nobody who seeks the Lord with all their heart that doesn't find him. <laughs> That is so good. And isn't that hopeful 
friends that are listening right now, if you're thinking, no, I'm too cold or this isn't for me, it is for you. He Mm -hmm. is for you. And the desire that you have to know him and to taste and see that he is good was placed in your heart by him to draw you to him. So there's a yes. There's there's a yes. This is a prayer that is going to get a yes answer. So one of the people that captivated my heart probably, gosh, 30 years ago was Mary of Bethany. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, the people I love to teach about or talk about the most because of how her heart was captivated by Jesus. I think you, you have a thing for her too, don't you? Yeah. I was, I was wondering if you could um, expound on talk about some of the things that you have learned from her that you would like other people to know. Well, first, you and I are so attracted to her because of her great attraction to him. She is just a simple means by which we recognize the value of Christ. (laughs) And so that's why she's so attracted to us, not her per se, but through her him. Yes, yes. (laughs) We love her because we're like, yes, she's doing what's right. As as I like to say, she makes sense to the angels who behold his face. (laughs) Uh, Her life, recognizing him, valuing him above everybody else, above what people think of Mm, her. Yes. Above what she thinks of her, above tragedy, above uh, what, what, um, culture says she values Jesus. It's funny that she never wrote a book and she never preached a sermon. She never cast out a demon or healed the sick. She, she didn't, she performed, she did no miracles, but she is tied together by Christ to the gospel spread. That's crazy to me. He wanted something that we see in her value of Jesus. He wanted that to go with the gospel everywhere. And I believe that's uh, indicative of the fact that Jesus wants the gospel to bring everybody to a merry value, a merry life. Mary being low before him, fixed upon him, listening to him, receiving his words, valuing him above everybody else. And even in the time of crisis, her brother's dead. Her brother's dead. And she does have pain. She does have questions, but when he shows up, she throws her questions and her pain down at his feet. <laughs> she throws herself down at his feet. And we see that picture showing us that he's more important. His mm. presence is more important than answers. Mm. His presence is yes. more important than even our, our pain. He takes the cake. He is the highest value. And that's why we like her so much is because we find in our hearts, vision of Christ, a great value of him. So high that no matter what happens to us in our lives, it doesn't change what he is and who he is and where he is in the highest heavens. And so Mary of Bethany is a call to be captivated by Christ. Yes. She is, um, She's a proclamation of the preeminence of his person. She sees him as more wonderful than even his wonders. 
She's so taken with him that even when people are talking about her, she doesn't have any response to them because she's so taken. Yes. That's to me, that's just crazy. She is so fixed. She's silent while being accused. And the Lord stands up for her, which is beautiful. Right. <laughs> so we love her because she displays great love for Jesus. She displays first love. And some people would even venture to say she's the personification of the woman in Song of Solomon. Mm. Yeah. So she oh, brings I love that. The spike nard. She brings down the spike nard and, and the spike nard. And so she's the fulfillment. <laughs> I love that. That's perfectly said. I love that he says of her that she's done a beautiful thing to me. <laughs> and he never says that about anyone else. A beautiful mm -hmm. thing to me. Something else that strikes me is how her anointing of him would have lingered. It lingered on him. He took oh, it yes. with him to the cross. And I wonder about her own heart that I don't think she was there from what I understand. And I wonder if her own heart couldn't take it wow. to see him in that, in that pain, but that her offering was. Wow. <laughs> and I also wonder about the incredible honor of ministering to Jesus. Yes. That we, we in our worship still get to minister to him. That blows my mind. <laughs> highest ministry for sure. It is the highest ministry. <laughs> I want just to hear you talk about him some more because it just makes my heart burn to, to want to know him more deeply in this way. So what happens for you? Say, okay, so pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. I don't think the effects of it are over. And the compromised state that most of us are living in that we don't even know. Mm -hmm. We don't even know the depth to which um, this global trauma has affected us. So it feels like our reserves are diminished. Mm. And... And I've, I've seen that in my own life. I'm having an incredible time with worship, with Jesus. I feel so intimate. And then I get in the car and somebody cuts me off and, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, where did that come from? Um, <laughs> do you have any words for people how to, uh, how to navigate? Yes, fixing their eyes on Jesus, but like how? You're driving in the car. You get the call. Uh, not a good call. Um, someone has passed that you loved, or mm -hmm. this person has gone public with a struggle that you just ache for. Yeah. In that moment, is it just simply a practice mm -hmm. that you train your heart to keep looking at him in the midst of, of a sorrowful world? <laughs> what an interesting question. Um, there's a phrase in um, Hebrews chapter 12. Everybody's read it. But it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, looking. It seems like it's continuous, looking. But the word is a compound word. I don't know Greek, but I have Bible software. <laughs> and the software shows it's two words put together for looking. And it means from and to, from to. So it means instead of saying looking unto Jesus, you could say, looking from to Jesus. 
So you're looking from uh, the world. Yes. Away from self to Jesus. So I, I would say that, yes, looking unto Jesus seems to be displaying, manifesting, expressing our value of him continuously by what we both look away from and look to. So we turn our attention away from things having to do with this world and ourselves to him. Continuously we find uh, this happening. David uses this same language when he says, my eyes are continually towards you. Mm. It's a continuous looking, uh, looking, 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 looking from, looking to. So I would say that, yes, Richard Raleigh was right when he wrote that, that famous English mystic. He said, practice until your inward eye is always inclined upward. Mm. Practice until your inward eye is always inclined upward. I think this is the essence of abide in me. It's, it's refusing to depart. Um, I think the more we recognize Christ's presence, the more we realize that refusing to sin is inferior to refusing to depart. That he's not necessarily saying, don't sin. He's saying, don't leave. Mm. Because if you don't leave, you won't sin. But if we just look at don't sin, we're missing the hold on to me, cling yes, to yes. the Lord. Your presence is valuable to me. Your presence is more valuable to me. Um, and I think if we put our focus there, instead of trying to fight sins per se, we'll find that his presence accomplishes all things for us. So all this to say, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just a continuous recognition of his great value. And I think we have to remind ourselves of this constantly. I have to anyways. I have to go back to the gospel um, daily and remember and turn my heart to the Lord. Yes. I was just reading Hebrews and Hebrews exalts Jesus in chapter one, so high, higher than the angels, higher than the priests. And then in chapter two, first verse, he says, uh, we must pay much closer attention lest we drift away. There you go. I, th I think that's what you're saying. It's, yes. yes. I got to remind myself of this great Christ who is the great gospel continuously, because if I don't, I will by human nature drift away. And I don't know if you've seen this recently, but we've seen a lot of this recently. People have been drifting and I think they're drifting because they stopped looking. And let me just, uh, I'll, last thing I'll say is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, there is no reason why I should look away from Jesus, but there are a million reasons why I should not look away. I think that is a beautiful way to yes, look at it. Yes, yes. That's so true. Yes, everything. And I'm so struck by the scripture's exhortation to remember the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. Remember, write yeah. it on your door, write it on your forehead. Just <laughs> yeah. tell each other, remind one another, because we are a forgetful people. We are. And the drifting piece is really real. I like to remind myself that the ancient of days, <laughs> he didn't sneak into the enemy camp disguised as a babe so that I would behave myself. Right. But, but to be captured, to be captured, to know him, to, to love him, to be his. So I love, oh gosh, what you said about abiding. Yes, that's it, isn't it? It is. 
It is. And I'm so glad it's that way because yes. it's relational and it's, it is affectionate and it's, it's precious. It's mm. not cold stone. It's not a practice only. It is a man, a, a personal presence. As A.W. Tozer would say, conscious presence of God. He also said, when the eyes of the heart looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, right there, heaven has begun upon the earth. <laughs> this is walking in heaven before getting to heaven. If I remember Spurgeon also said, he said, if the road to bliss is bliss, who would not become a Christian? <laughs> right. Yes. So pull back the curtain on what it really is and not an inferior gospel or an inferior Christianity. Yeah. And I love how the pressure is off because <laughs> it, it's not about, it's not about trying so hard to not sin. Mm -hmm. It's about having your heart captivated by this stunning king. And then where do you go? Where else would you go? Can you tell us a little bit about Sonship International? Yeah. Okay. Oh, like you said, um, we have one goal that we believe God is by grace installed in our hearts. And it is to see believers live a life of daily experience of his presence. Cause that empowers us to walk this thing out all our lives. My wife and I, we grew up in the church and we did not see presence centered Christ exalting Christ loving. We didn't see that. We saw religion. We saw, um, practices, but we didn't see him. Mm. And so that's what we're, we're really wanting to do. And so we've branched out into several different areas. We have a mentor group on Tuesday nights where we just kind of do zoom like this. And I just answer questions and, and teach from the scriptures and we wait on the Lord together. It's wonderful. And this has been really a blessing uh, for us uh, praying for them every week, but Tuesday nights, that's very special to us. But we also have uh, 30 books now that we've written with all this kind of material just awesome. him, him 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 we have a couple e-courses as well um that we do just trying to teach get the the word of god out because the word of god is the kisses of god upon the soul and uh and we also have music as you, as you said just to bring people into that experience of his presence which is wonderful and then we also have um youtube we have hundreds of hours of teaching and short films we've put together that are all centered around living a life captivated by this man, Christ Jesus, in the midst of all of our humanness and failures and difficulties and, and things of this world, we can live enamored and transfixed upon his presence in person so as to be lifted above the pressures of this world, not denying them, but living above them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really where we're focused. That is so beautiful. I just want to encourage you who are listening, press pause, go back to the beginning and listen again. Just soak in the truth, soak in the invitation. This is all Jesus's invitation to you to come, to know him as he truly is. And then yes, to be utterly captivated. And then we are changed. We're transformed into his likeness by seeing him. Yes. I'm wondering, um, just to close our time together, Eric, would, would you pray for the people that are listening now? Yes. Oh, thank yes, you. Thank you. So we need 
grace, God. Each one of us need grace, God. For it is you working in us, both to will and to do for your good pleasure. Lord, I pray for myself and everyone listening. Oh God, we humble ourselves before you, recognizing we have no power of our own, Lord. We can't, we can't do this. We are deeply in need of you, even as the first day when we threw ourselves on your mercy and you saved us. We call upon your continual saviorhood. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, with great grace, grace that drips from your mouth, grace that is connected with peace and blessing. Lord, this kind of grace that works in us, both to will and to do for your good pleasure. Oh, God, may grace reign on each one of us as we go low before you in recognition of our great need for you. We exalt you and praise you and worship you. There's none as lovely as you. So Lord, I pray, lift us above these things that are surrounding us and weighing us down. All of us have all kinds of problems and things that are happening. Lord, lift us up to be with you, Lord. Take us up to be with you, Lord. To To the pinnacle above with you, my love, where all others fall off and our hearts become soft and our minds are solved and our wills dissolved. Lord, do this thing no man can do. In your precious name, amen. 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 Yes, God. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. I've loved having having this time with you. (laughs) So bless you. Bless you. Bless you, friends. I know you have been. Till next time. Bye.